Now it's time for this week's film reviews with Mark Sibby and Stuart Pink on Phoenix FM. It's Phoenix FM Film Reviews with me, Stuart Pink, and some say he has the lyrics to every Idris Elba song tattooed on his thumb. It's Mark Sibby. Well, uh, hello. Uh, well, there's a problem there, actually, is that he's not known as Idris Elba uh, when he's doing his music, really. Oh, see, oh, this, see, oh, this is an amateur what? mistake what? from yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so back in the day when he used to DJ, I mean, he still DJs now, actually, to be honest, so I don't know why I'm saying that. But back in the day, he used to be known as uh, DJ Driss or Big Driss. Oh, um, Yes, well, do you know what? Exactly. I'm going to blame now, his agent goes... for emailing me his song and calling him Idris Elba. I was like, and that's well, just a well, to error. be fair to you, yeah, to be fair to you, though, he does now just go by Idris Elba when he's putting out his music. Oh, so oh, it is a, a kind of a change. But uh, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, yeah, I do have quite a lot of music from him, just purely based on the fact that obviously he makes a lot of house music. It does. And I love house music. He's a so, bit of a legend of I'm, the scene now, isn't he? He is, he is, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, he used to DJ uh, quite a lot, Essex and uh, North London and East London, because obviously he's from East London. So yeah, I, I saw him a couple of times. I'm trying to think, ooh, early noughties when he was oh, just yes. getting started. In the heyday um, of DJ. a couple of times. Yeah, um, and this was around the time... I'm trying to think if it was before The Wire or after The Wire. I can't really remember, to be honest with you, but I saw him a couple of times. And then I met him as well. Um, a few years later, he was doing a film screening of a, um, a film that he had made here in the UK. The, it was a small independent movie, and he was there to do a Q&A. And I met him. We, we were stood talking for a good 10 minutes or something, and we had a nice chat. And whatever. Oh, and this wow. Was, That's cool. This was after the one, yeah, yeah, he was really nice as well. Really nice. Did um, you show him a tattoo so with all the lyrics in I, I didn't know. <laughs> Instead, I kind of fawned about. over my my uh, my love of the wire. I was like, oh, it's the wire. It's amazing. And I think at that point, <laughs> he was still very much like, yes, I'm pleased I was in it, etc. Now, kind of, he's, I think he's sort of maybe pushed past it a little bit. You know, he. Let's be honest. He is now one of the A-list actors in the world, anyway. He so. is, he? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. He's, so yeah, was he, he's that type of guy who you turn up. Wasn't wearing his big coat when you saw him then? Oh, good question. No, he wasn't actually. No, oh. no. Um, I imagine he always wears one. No, this was. Oh, now you're asking. I think this was before Luther. It was in the summer. I remember that because we were in a, <laughs> a uh, we were a in a cinema that was in the in a basement, and it was so hot in there, and it was everybody was just desperate to get out, but they were like Idris Elba is here. Nobody was moving at all, um, <laughs> just to just to see him and just to hear him talk. So um, yeah, he wasn't wearing his big coat then, but. Uh, you know, he's, he's since made it into a fashion icon, hasn't he? Let's be honest here. A yes. big wool coat has now become fat. Like you see people who are just, their style is Luther. You see um, fashion brands going for the Luther look. And I'm thinking it's it's a wool coat yeah. to me. When I started really. going up to London, suddenly but, I realised that most of the male commuters you see at a train station are rocking the Luther look. He <laughs> started a thing. <laughs> <laughs> But doesn't that go to show that a TV series has transcended being just a TV series and has become this influential piece of work as well? Yeah. I mean, we do see it quite a lot, actually. You do see it in Nerdum, Geekdom, where you know, 
people obviously dress up as their characters, but I'm talking about when it transcends into everyday life where people just kind of go, I love that coat or I love those trousers or those shoes or something. Yeah, and, and they wear them. Bit and like they, me and know, that deerskin jacket. Oh, you're still going on about that deerskin jacket. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Quinton Dupo is so proud of the fact that he made that movie Life and then so you've become obsessed with this deerskin jacket. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, away from deerskin and onto, obviously, Luther. 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 Um, we need, like, added base in this whole conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah, neither of us have got the, um, the the bassy voice of um, <laughs> Idris Elba, have we? But uh, fortunately, we have got a Luther movie, which has taken so long to get to the big screen. It's so long. I just can't believe how long it's been taken because obviously yeah. the TV series, which is made by the BBC, and it's fantastic. I love that series. Um and there's a very good prequel book out there as well, written by the guy who writes the, the TV series. Um, that that finished a few years ago. And they were like, right, we're going to finish it off with a movie. And then everything just stalled, basically. Um, and there's some very good articles online about why it stalled. I'm not going to go into it because obviously we want to talk about the film. So this film is made by Netflix, not by the BBC. Oh, OK. Bit of a steal. Hmm. Yeah. So I I guess the question that some people would have is, you know, has it been watered down? What has Netflix done to change it? And the answer is nothing. Like, no, it's not watered down. They haven't changed anything. It's the same Luther that Neil Cross has always written. It's the same Luther that Idris Elba has always acted. You know, he's a dark, brooding character with a penchant for misery and violence. Nothing has changed in this movie. Good old, which, same old Luther. Yeah. Well, exactly. And if you're a fan, I mean, I'm a big fan of the show, as I said, and I've read the book as well, so I, I guess I'm a fan. Um, I, that's that's fine with me. It's very much the same as it ever was, and I'm more than happy with that because Luther, both the character and the the film itself doesn't hold back. You know, th- this movie, much like the show, I guess, is a horrible look at the seedy underbelly of crime in London. This time, though, it is also about a ruthless killer. And, and I do mean ruthless because at times this film plays out a bit like one of the Saw horror films. There's, there's bits in this where I'm like, oh, <laughs> really going for it. Um so there is no holding back when it comes to some of the stuff on show here. But Luther, the show, the TV show, has always been like that. Yeah. So as I said, it's Pretty graphic no in places. business. Exactly. Graphic in, pra- in places. It's business as usual. Idris, as ever, brilliant as John Luther. You know, he's had to break out of prison in this movie to track down this sadistic killer who's terrorizing London. Um, I mean, there's a fantastic scene where he breaks out of prison where he's just punching everybody all the way down the stairs and through the and i'm like wow okay right then the okay so this this is the bit that i i did laugh at a little bit but at the same time you'll see what i mean there's a scene in it where he comes out of prison and he finds his old car and in the back of his car it's got his clothes so he unzips the bag right and his coat's in there of course it is and then the next shot is him stood on a rooftop with his wool coat blowing in the wind like some sort of <laughs> superhero. Yes, Batman style. Brilliant. Yeah, kind of. Obviously, you kind of go, oh, dear. You know, you go, oh, a bit tongue-in-cheek. 
But that is sort of what he's become just without the superpowers. Yes, it might be a bit tongue in cheek, but I, I really dug it. You know, I was kind of like, hey, I like what this is saying about how he's the only person who can save the city. He's done it before. He's going to do it again just through beating people up and having a, <laughs> uh, a detective mind. Not not your normal detective mind, obviously. And I like that about it. So, yes, a little bit of a... I mean, it's only a 10-second scene, but at the same time, I was kind of like, <laughs> oh, dear. And then the more you think about it, you go, okay, yeah, that makes more sense yeah, to me. might be cliche, but it kind of works. Um, I think they did it a lot of that in the worked. series as well, exactly. didn't they? I'm sure I remember seeing them on a rooftop. Of course, of course. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why wouldn't you? And that, that's the thing, you know, rooftops, you know, you see the London um, cityscape and you go, it looks fantastic. It looks brilliant. Lit up at night. You go, that's brilliant. Yeah. And it works when you've got somebody like Luther looking at it and going, you know, something, something ridiculous, like I'm going to take down the city. And you go, <laughs> it listen, it doesn't work, but at the same time, it kind of does. Yeah. It's that sort of thing. The story itself it's pretty simple. It, it's a cat and mouse game. It doesn't try to do too much with double and triple crossing. Instead, it's all about the sadistic nature of this serial killer. And I, I have to say that I thought Andy Circus did a brilliant job of playing this character, minus the bizarre hairpiece. That's a bit strange, <laughs> a bit off-putting. Okay. Um, yeah, I saw it in the trailer. I thought, okay, interesting hairdo, but... Um... Yeah, exactly. Interesting <laughs> choice. I'm not sure who chose that, but okay. But I, I thought Andy Serkis was fantastic in this. I think it's possibly the first time since Alice from the TV show that I thought they might actually kill off Luther here. Oh, whoa. And that's, yeah, that's when you know when a film slash TV show is prepared to go evil and prepared to go to nasty places just to get a reaction from those watching it. It doesn't hold back. It's typical Luther in its very adult nature and its adult storytelling as well. My, my only quibble with the movie is the finale, which it's still brutal. It's still ridiculously brutal. Um, it takes place outside of London. Which is a bit disappointing because oh. Luther is all about yeah it's all about Luther is all about the city yeah. you know you you have this now granted London is a, is a sprawling metropolis but the way that the TV show made Luther feel is that it was very claustrophobic you know Luther was being enveloped by the city itself so taking him out of the city and put him in this snow covered wasteland. I thought lost a little bit of that claustrophobic feel that you got with the TV show and how that inhibited the character. Yeah, there was throughout big big bit of the series really, wasn't it? That he's he can't get away from things and they can't get away from him. And yeah. yeah, yeah, he he loves the city, but he hates the city as well. So taking it out a little bit disappointed, but it, look, it's a small quibble with the movie. It really is. The rest of the film more than made up for it. You know, if if Idris Elba and Neil Cross are going to continue to put out a new Luther film or TV series every so often until the end of time, then I'll be happy <laughs> if it's like this. Because this is classic Luther. And to me, that's a good thing. Fantastic. Joe, I'd never drawn the, um, the, the link between Luther and Batman. Until you mentioned it, and now looking at the poster, I can't see anything else. It's like, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if you go and have a look at the DVD covers that they've put out over time, just for each individual series, you'll notice there there are certain similarities between a Batman pose and a Luther pose. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Listen, no. I'm not going to tell Idris Elba that it's a bad thing. Uh, Stuart Pink <laughs> says it was a bad it's thing. It's not a bad thing. That's no, definitely not, not a bad thing. Don't tell him that. <laughs> Don't tell him that. You're backtracking now. <laughs> Amazing. So this is I mean, obviously been a long time since the series came out. I don't imagine anyone yep. will watch this having not seen Luther. Um, but could you just recap on series the last series and be all right? <laughs> or you're going to have to watch all 10 series again? Uh, no, I, I don't know why you'd want to do that anyway, because you would be missing the first two series that are absolutely brilliant, where he's having to face oh, yeah. off against Alice, the the, the director. That, it's amazing. I, I don't know why you would want to miss it anyway. So, I mean, to me, if you're going to see Just Luther the Fallen Son and you yeah. haven't seen the show, watch the whole thing. You know, it's, it's quite a short series anyway. You know, it's not loads of episodes. Yeah, they're like three so or four episodes. Isn't it? Doing those, yeah, exactly. So, doing those before going to see the, before seeing this, do it, do it if you've never seen Luther, and trust me, you'll you, you'll love it. You'll really love it. It's it's one of those crime shows that is not all fluffy. That things don't get wrapped up inside forty five minutes. You know that there is problems here, there, and everywhere, and it is sadistic, and it is evil, and it is nasty, and it's so addictive as well. Brilliant. So Luther um, out on Netflix. Curveball. Indeed, yes. Yeah. yeah, Luther, The Fallen Son, now streaming on Netflix. Brilliant. Well, I'm going to need to lie down before we talk about the next film. I'm so excited. Film Reviews on Phoenix FM with Mark Sibby and Stuart Pink. Phoenix FM Film Reviews, Mark Sibby still with us. What we got next, Mark? <laughs> well, do you know what? Somebody said to me in the week, I can't believe we're reviewing this movie. It's ridiculous. It's March and we're reviewing a Christmas movie. And <laughs> through some amazing PR work, we've had snow this week here in Essex. Yeah, I know. So well this done. film coming out now <laughs> has worked out perfectly. The second Christmas. <laughs> I can't believe <laughs> it. It's worked out uh, just a magic touch there, isn't it? That really is. It's it, it, brilliant. <laughs> it's really brilliant. So on DVD and Blu-ray this week is Violent Night. Um, it's about a group of mercenaries who attack the estate of a wealthy family. Santa Claus must step in to save the day and Christmas. Oh, wow. I mean, who thought this up? Brilliant. <laughs> well, now that that's a good question, actually. And and here's my answer to that is that if you've seen Scrooged, you know, the Bill Murray Christmas oh, yeah. comedy, if you've seen that, then you'll remember the opening of that uh, film was a film within a film where Lee Majors protects Santa Claus from mercenaries at the North Pole. It was called The Night the Reindeer Died. Um, well, that film... It's sort of violent night. So, I, listen, I'm not saying that the writers have copied that at all or anything else like that, but you just said, where, who thought of this yeah. idea? Well, it was already thought Maybe of. Maybe that's very screwed. What they've done is they – so that basically it's an action film with a few tweaks here and there compared to obviously The Night the Reindeer Died. 
we don't get many act- Christmas action movies. I mean, I blame Die Hard for that. I mean, I don't know how you're going to talk. Yeah, they kind of. It's a Christmas movie, the biscuit, by the way. Really. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But this one is a bit of a cracker. Pardon the uh, sorry about uh, the Christmas pun there. I mean, I know uh, we're in March, but sorry. I took know. a while to drop um, that because it was so out of season. But I get where you went there. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. So it's got loads of action in it. It's pretty violent as well. The language is all kinds of naughty as well. The film does exactly what you expect it to do. It does it very well. I had a heck of a good time watching this film. When Santa Claus goes full on against the mercenaries using a sledgehammer, then that is when the film truly won me over. It just goes for it. It never lets up. The action is splatterific, shall we say. Um, It's just... It's just relentless and over the top. And it's fun as well. And here's the other thing about this movie, which I wasn't quite expecting, is that there's a message in this film. I mean, it's a Christmas film. Of course there's going to be a message. Oh, yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, however, it's done in such a way that it feels as if it's part of the action scenes, not the relationship drama that's going on with the family. So there's a bit in it where basically... Santa has a two-way walkie-talkie with a little girl who's been held hostage in the house with her family. She believes in Santa and believes he can fight his way out of anything in order to save Christmas. So it's so the message is basically help can come in all shapes and sizes and ages and, you know, whatever, basically. <laughs> and that Santa Claus will never let you down. Wow. This is a brilliant concept <laughs> in the middle of a... <laughs> it, it is, isn't it? It's such a brilliant... It, it, and the thing is, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work without them going full on. That's the thing. So David Harbour is in the lead role. And he, he's all kind of excellent. He's, he's over the top. He, he just fully goes for it in the action scenes. And it's fun to watch. I loved... John Leguizamo as Scrooge, who is the leader of the mercenaries. That's one nasty guy. Like he, he could have been in a Luther yeah. TV show. Like that's how nasty Brilliant. this guy is. Um, I, I, I even enjoyed the businesswoman and head of the wealthy uh, house, Gertrude, who's played very, very ruthlessly by Beverly G- D'Angelo, oh. which is bizarre. It works. Look, it's good. It's a fun cast as well. But then the whole film is fun. It's good adult action for Christmas. Is there an element of comedy in this as well? It feels kind of tongue in cheek. Yes. Uh, Yeah. All the way through. All the way through. It is that type of action that's got its tongue, not just in its cheek, firmly out the other side. (laughs) That's the thing with this movie is that it knows what it is. And it does it. It it basically turns it up to 11. I suspect we will be watching this film every year when we do our yearly Christmas film viewing. It is, it's it's a Christmas cracker. It's just a shame it's out in March. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why March? What's happened here? Any idea? Well, well, that's... Oh, they're just getting yeah, in early. Well, it was in, it was in cinemas in December. Okay. Oh, okay. So it did pretty well in the cinemas as well. I've got to say, we, we missed it because you know there was so much out in December. We just did not have time to see it. So it's out now on DVD and Blu-ray. I would have held it back until November, to be honest with you. I would have put yeah. it out on DVD and Blu-ray back, you know, in November. But I guess, as you said, they've got an early start on it. <laughs> 
I mean, just for so the... So we've reviewed our first Christmas movie for 2023. Yes, that is the earliest ever. <laughs> I think that's got to be a record. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hats off uh, to the person who created the poster for this movie. This is just brilliant. There's, If you haven't seen it, definitely look it up. There's, It's basically Santa smoking a candy cane with blood splatter yeah. all over him. <laughs> with a gag yeah. phrase, you better watch out. I mean, genius. <laughs> Absolutely genius. (laughs) But you see, this is the thing. Even the marketing is right about this movie. And when marketing gets it right and when the film gets it right, everything comes together and you go, you know what? That film knew what it was. Everything knew what it was. And I had such a good time watching it. Even in March. (laughs) like I only saw this the other week and I was like, I still really like it. Regardless of the fact it's talking about Christmas and, you know, Christmas was what seven months ago or something now i can't remember um <laughs> it it still made me laugh it still made me chuckle it it kind of made me feel festive in a quite a actiony type way um but it's, it's a good film it's a good, i can't honestly i i recommend this quite a lot even now in march watch a christmas movie watch this christmas movie it's snowing you'll be fine just just go with it yeah it's all right yeah exactly exactly <laughs> Excellent. Now, we really do wish it could be Christmas every day. Um, And for this film, it is. And now, as a podcast extra, here's another film review. In cinemas now is a film called The Middleman. Now, this is about a guy called Frank Farelli, who takes a job as a middleman in the small rural town of Carmack, USA. Uh, That's a community that is in depression so deep that they need a middleman to professionally communicate more bad news. Wow. That must be very bad, very bad, bad news. Uh, Yeah, but I just think what an interesting concept. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it is a bit, isn't it? Like you have a a community that is just constantly getting bad news, and they have to bring somebody from outside to deliver that bad news. You know, I, me and you have spoken about this quite a lot, actually, Stuart. Is that you know we get original ideas in films, and we 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 try to review them because we like to see original movies. You know, rather than the standard stuff that gets churned out or the endless yeah. sequels and prequels to the same films time and time again. Original filmmaking is the life and blood of the film industry, really. Anyway, look, I'm digressing here. We could talk about that forever. There's only so many Fast and Furious films you can actually make. Um, Well, you say that, but obviously we've got 10 (laughs) this year and we've got 11 next year. So, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other story. Back to The Middleman. And it's safe to say that this isn't a happy-go-lucky movie. However, what it actually is is a film about how to overcome the darkness in people's lives, especially in a small rural town as well. And it sort of answers the question of, how do you keep delivering bad news to a town that is already used to it? And the answer is, get somebody in who becomes the man to give bad news. A middleman, as you will. You know, it's, it's such an interesting concept. And the film actually yeah. plays very well with the idea because Frank Farelli, the guy who takes the job, isn't the life and soul of the party. He's quiet, he's unassuming, but that works for when he's delivering bad news. You know, the guy just turns up, explains what has happened in a monotone voice, and so it becomes an almost placid explanation of the bad news that he is delivering. Hmm. I 
don't know how else you would take it, but you kind of go, <laughs> okay, thank you for that, because of the way that he's delivered it. There are some jokey bits in the film. As I said, Frank isn't Mr. Fun, but some of the things he does are quite funny, but for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Also, some of the townsfolk are a bit um, quirky, kooky, shall we say? Okay, yeah. Which plays into the very nature of what this film is, which is bizarre. <laughs> I mean, I say bizarre, yeah, I could also say entertaining, and at times I could say transfixing, because this film goes all over the place in terms of where it takes the story, and then it dials it up even more by the finale, which... It's just something, something happens that throws a problem into the life of Frank Ferrelli and he isn't sure how to play it out with his job. So suddenly you get this finale that comes out of nowhere and you go, OK, I wasn't expecting that at all. Oh. And it just sort of, it, it, it keeps you guessing. And it's it's also a slow moving film. I'll say that. It, it is slow. But I think that just adds to the sense of the entire town being in the depression. So yeah. you get the full effect of when things actually do happen, how shocking they really are. Nice. Yeah, I think from the trailer you can see this is going to be one of those sort of slow-burning um, films that is almost kind of humorous in the way that they take such a long time to, to get to the bit yeah. you're getting to. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's highly original and... It will have you questioning how you would do Frank's job as well. That, yeah. That's what I like what about the film is that it job. goes, yeah, how would you do that job? How would you do it? That's what I like about it. It also makes you think about how you would want to give and receive bad news in the future. I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was such a unique piece of original filmmaking. Um, I noticed on the poster that it says, you know, for fans of David Lynch, Sort of, I guess, maybe, slightly. Um, it's just quirky. It's unique. It's one of those movies where you go, well, I don't know how anybody's thought about this, but it's such an interesting idea. Nice. So do you reckon The Middleman is, could be seen as a prequel, or at least the first job that you would have if you were going to go on to be Joe Black from Meet Joe Black? <laughs> well, well, <laughs> Joe Black is death. Exactly. This is the problem. Yeah. So yeah, before you're deaf, um, you've got to start somewhere, right? You can't just go straight into being the top of the game. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, probably, probably. I mean, he's delivering bad news on Earth. So obviously when maybe Frank Farrelly dies, he could be Joe Black. Um, they've certainly got the same type of sense of dress. <laughs> yeah. Because Frank Farrelly's got a very sharp suit and so is Joe Black. So, yeah, maybe. Maybe that's, a, that's yeah. an interesting point you raise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you've got me thinking now. The middle man, then the end man, uh, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excellent. So the middle man, um, where, where is this out? Is this DVD? Or? So it's in cinemas now. Oh, right. Okay. Go see this in the cinemas. Um, it's got like awards um, kind of paraphernalia on the on the poster um is this one that's done well mm -hmm. or going to do well uh, i think season? it's one of those movies that will do well at independent film festivals um you know you're not going to see it at, at Cannes or at the oscars or the baftas or anything else like that it, it's too low key for that mm. but it will do well at independent film festivals because it's so unique excellent as always something original and interesting and a clever little story that we've not had before Yes, exactly. Yes. Awesome. What you got for us next week, Well, 
Next week, uh, we've got a, a sequel to a superhero movie. So we've got Shazam! Oh. Fury of the Gods. Fury of the Gods. They are furious yeah, yeah. sometimes. Yeah. They are. It seems, well, well, Dame Helen Mirren is playing one of the gods and she oh, wow. does look quite angry. So, yeah, yeah, not going <laughs> to mess with her. So we've got Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Uh, we've also got a biopic about Whitney Houston. It's called I Want to Dance with Somebody. Oh, yes. Do you? Okay. Should be. And then we've got um, a British remake of a Japanese movie from 1950s. This British remake stars Bill Nighy. It's a film called Living. Oh. Um, and the original movie was made by Akira Kurosawa, and that was called Ikiru. Um, this is a British remake of it. Wow. It's took them a little while, isn't it, to, um, <laughs> to put it together? <laughs> it has. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they d- took them a while to write the script. But, um, yeah, it's taken them It's taken them a while. But, um, yeah, Living has, um, Set to has wait been for... popping up on a few award circuits. Oh, has it? So, oh, um, okay. yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, finally getting their DVD released, so we will talk about that as well. Excellent. Bill Nye's, you know, just waiting for him to get to the right kind of availability in the schedule. Since 1950. He's finally got the time. <laughs> yeah. He's a busy guy. Let's be honest. He's a busy guy. Um, so they've, they finally managed to pencil him in to make this movie. Excellent. We better pencil in the review then. It's the least we could do. Let's put it in pen. Okay. okay. Film reviews and movie news. With Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Thanks for listening to Film Reviews and Movie News. We've been doing this little podcast for years now. Mark has watched and expertly reviewed hundreds of films, and I've made hundreds of terrible jokes. They're all available to listen to again if you subscribe to the Film Reviews and Movie News podcast. It's freely available wherever you get your podcasts from, or you can find all the latest episodes and everything else I do online at stuartpink.com.